Dr. Amalia Gonyas-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us today in Santon, South Africa, is the former president of Liberia, who served as the country's 24th president and first elected female head of state, President Ellen Johnson Sirleaf. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's such a great privilege to host a leader like you, who's lit the torch that lights the way for other women, particularly in Africa, to make their respective journeys possible. President Johnson Sirleaf, your political career started in 1985, and 20 years later, in 2005, you took office as president of Liberia. At the beginning, you were faced with many challenges, like rebuilding a country coming out of civil war, debts, or re-establishing lost infrastructure. Reflecting on your 12 years in office, what have been some of the most memorable accomplishments that your administration achieved? I always start off with my accomplishment with the fact that um, we maintain peace. Peace over 12 years uh, compared with the two decades before when we were always in conflict. I believe also I gave women a voice as I went around the country, particularly in rural areas, encouraging women to participate in discussions in town hall meetings, uh, in government, and we were able also to to get women in, in the professional realm uh, to hold strategic positions, countering what is usual, that they, they sit in the soft spots. Um, I always say that um, we gave hope, hope to a nation that was in despair when we came into office. So I'm not going to mention the things like the infrastructure, the restoration of, of roads and power and water because we've got a long way to go in those things. Uh, but I think the real things are the qualitative things about people being able to know that um, they now have a future. And when you talk about the qualitative components, those for me are usually the soft pieces, but they're the, the parts which get the machinery running. It's about, as you said, it's hope. It's something which works on an intrinsic level as opposed to an extrinsic level that motivates people to, to do more. Absolutely, and I, and I think that's where I, I put the emphasis. Um, that's where I, I encourage women uh, to take positions. Uh, to get involved, to, to, to be economic agents, um, such as our, our farming women, our market women, uh, to provide them with a um, more comfortable environment and I wish they can do their work. Uh, those are the things that um, I believe are lasting. Uh, those are the things that uh, build the dignity of people and encourage them to, to take ownership in their country, to be proud of themselves. Uh, and so that's why I think it really matters. Um, and I'm glad that um, I was able to do that. I'm, I'm glad that today women, when I go into rural areas, they can stand and say, Madam President, thank you. You give us a voice. 
And that's one of the things that I think is remarkable about you. And I recall, it must have been about five years or so ago that I did a, a presentation. And I quoted you where you said, I look at those societies where women have been given the opportunity. And those are the societies that succeed. Absolutely. And I just, you know, women across Africa, women across the world, uh, today can stand up and say, you know, we're part of this. We we can take charge. The future belongs to us. And that that's what gives me great satisfaction. As I move around, I meet young girls. And, and they come and they say, wow, you know, you inspire us. What can we do? I say, I'm just glad that whatever I represent, uh, your aspirations and your expectations... And if I can just continue to give you that motivation through my experience, then I think I really feel like I've earned my way and I've earned my place. It's a great igniter. And I have to say that when I was doing the research on you for this particular interview, it made such an impact on my views as a woman, as a person. And I really think that your personal story, your professional story and your political story and the journey that you've endured and encountered need to be written about and taught to other women in Africa as a role modeling effect to follow. At what stage in your life did you realize that pursuing the political arena and serving your country would become such an integral part of your journey? When I was in prison, uh, I think that's when one realizes that, you know, I have stood for something. It's something that, of course, offended, something that got you into trouble. Um, but to land in prison means you've taken a position, you've stood apart, you, you stood up for something. You took a risk. Uh, so at that moment, you say, you know, if, if I've come this far um, to the place where I am seen as, as, a, as countering the status quo, so to speak, uh, then I know I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing what my heart tells me to do, uh, what I figure my cause is right. And at that point, you... You dedicate yourself to, to doing more, uh, doing more to working with the people, to being able to promote those principles uh, for which you stand. And so that's the moment, I think, when I was in prison. Of course, at that point, you never know what's going to happen to you. Uh, but I think it gave you strength, gives you courage. Uh, it reinforces uh, your commitment and your courage to those things, you know, that um, you hold dear, those things that you want to fight for in life. So that's, that's when one begins to, to contemplate and say, I've come this far, but there's another road to go. I can go further. And it's a tremendous test of character because I think some people could either forgive or regress but in your case you went on you fought and it was a tremendous breakthrough in, in fighting for your beliefs and motivating other people to to join you in that cause that's absolutely right um and that really provided me a much larger constituency a much larger following uh, because many people looked and say 
if I could uh, take that kind of a risk, if I could put myself in danger, so to speak, uh, this is something that they truly believed in. So, yes, it was a motivating factor for me, a motivating factor for women, because women were indeed my greatest supporter. And when I was in prison, thousands of women wrote, wrote an appeal, you know, asking for my release. So, so they, the, whatever I do, I say it has its own base, its own dedication to the women of Liberia and to the women of Africa who also joined this fight. Uh, many of them wrote letters, many of them made appeal, many of them network, networked you know, with the women in Liberia uh, for my release. So I, I believe that um, <laughs> women have been so strong in my career you know, so much a part of my experience and my success. And I think it's an inspiration to women all over. And there's so many other women across Africa we should look across and see those who have stood up, those who have demonstrated great courage uh, for what they believe in, for what they stand for. Uh, we just need now to get into high political positions. Absolutely right. One of the things that I think over that being a female political leader sometimes touches on sensitive points, whether it is culture, religion, tradition. In your experience, do you think women leaders face different types of expectations and demands to their male counterparts? And are they judged differently? Yes, because women leaders are always under the microscope. There's always somebody, particularly in a continuing male-dominated world. Um, they're looking to see if there'll be mishaps, uh, looking for errors, looking for utterances that may suggest fear, uh, the lack of determination. Uh, and so women are always placed under these conditions where you're being watched, you've been monitored, you've been looked at, because... You know, people don't want to see a wave of women leadership across the world because we've never had it. Uh, it's been male-dominated all along, and you can see a resistance, a resistance to a change in which we say the leadership structures are changing worldwide. That creates fear. Um, but uh, the good part about it is that uh, women have shown perseverance, have shown determination, in all areas of society, not just political leadership, but leadership uh, in civil society, leadership in the church, leadership in our traditional societies, which are really strongly male-dominated. There's a breakthrough, uh, but that breakthrough also puts us under great stress to ensure that whatever is our example, that example sets a stronger course for women victories and for women ascendancy in leadership. So those, um, those expectations and aspirations of women stand out uh, when you're in leadership and you know that you've got to deliver because by doing so, um, you encourage, you motivate, you incentivize women all over the world to continue to seek even higher levels of position throughout society. And I would say also that it provides exemplary examples of a woman's competence on, on display to men to understand that women can do it and they can be successful in terms of their leadership. 
Absolutely. And every woman going into leadership demonstrates a certain amount of competence. They, would, they could only reach there by showing that they have equal, sometimes I say not only equal, I think super, more than equal strength. Um, because of the, the, what they face, because they're always being guarded, someone's always looking at them. Um, but women competence, as a matter of fact, I say I go beyond competence. Women have equal competence when they compete, and that's why they win, because they've demonstrated that. But women also bring a special, special value uh, to leadership, and that's the sensitivity of being a woman, the sensitivity to humankind, uh, to being able to care about people, um, to seek the welfare of people without compromising the decisions you have to make, you know, the, the competence you have to demonstrate. Uh, and so women leadership, like I say, brings something more uh, to the society than just being a leader. It's that qualitative aspect that's coming through again. In 2011, you were jointly awarded the Nobel Peace Prize with Lema Gawawi of Liberia and Tawakol Kaman of Yemen in recognition for the nonviolent struggle for the safety of women, for women's rights, and full participation in peace-building work. Please can you tell us more about the efforts undertaken by Liberia that led to this award? Uh, we, we had a society that was, uh, in a way, lost a generation of young people, girls and boys, young men and young women, who for two decades had suffered conflict, had been denied opportunities uh, for school, for good life, um, for, for jobs. Uh, our task was to bring them out of that situation of despair, to start to deliver to them the basics to which they were entitled and that they had been denied for all these years of conflict. Uh, my work in that regard, my work with women, uh, the other Liberian, Liman Bowie, uh, also worked very well with women uh, to be able to bring peace, to challenge the warlords that were there. Only women could have done that because they, these were vicious men. Um, these were men who, you know, who had brought the, our nation uh, to the situation. And, and so I think the Nobel Prize was a recognition of my years of work with women uh, my being able to, contrib to contribute to a better welfare, particularly uh, women in the informal sector, rural women who did who farmed, um, women who who were basically marketeers, um, who did their work sometimes in such hard conditions of rain and sun, sitting down in marketplaces. Uh, being able to improve that, I, I uh, was able to, to build markets across the country. Um, I established a, a program 
that I called 5,500 So that, that was to construct or repair 50 schools, uh, to train 500 teachers, and to give 5,000 scholarships to young girls. A very successful program. We call it a Liberia Education Trust. Uh, and I think that made a big difference in the lives of those 5,000 young girls who probably would never have gone to school. Um, I think it's a, it's a combination of all the many things that we were able to do uh, that convinced the, the Nobel Prize Committee you know, that I should be included to get the Nobel Prize. And that also meant for me uh, great motivation. Uh, the recognition of what I did uh, only inspired me to do, to do more. Uh, as president, of course, I, there are so many other things that I had to do to move the nation from uh, the state it was in, to, to make institutions functional once again, uh, to restore basic infrastructure, uh, to start to promote democracy. Uh, those, were, those were the callings that, that I, you know, that I worked on. And Liberia still has a long way to go, let me say that. Uh, but what we've accomplished at least provides the foundation and enables uh, successive governments to build upon that foundation uh, to bring Liberia back to where it ought to be. Everything that you've said, it's almost as though it would take a couple of lifetimes to, to achieve. And yet in your 12 years of, of office, you've really managed to make incredible inroads. And education of young women, I think, is, is particularly admirable. Because without an education, people simply don't have a choice. There is no other option for them to, to pursue other than, than poverty. Absolutely. Um, education is the key. Uh, to everything we do, uh, the knowledge obtained through education uh, not only provides us with the capacity uh, to choose well, uh, to do well, uh, the capacity to think through issues that we face. And many of us will face crisis, uh, particularly as women, uh, but being able to, to think through how you address the crisis, how you solve the crisis, uh, it can only be done if you have a, a solid education. And, and so I think everyone, I would encourage every young girl out there uh, to seek as much of an education as you can. Go as far as you can, learn as much as you can. And even for us who are older, I'm still learning. You know, being here in Johannesburg today, meeting the elders, all those great global leaders that are here to celebrate uh, President uh, Mandela's 100th birthday, provide me with such an insight just sitting and talking to them. So there's always education is a continuing process of learning, of broadening your perspective, uh, of being able uh, to cope even more uh, with the situations of life. Yes, it is absolutely enabling. I wanted to ask you, we've spoken a little about some of the, the, the gender gaps and how you've managed to, to close them from a, a Liberian point of view. 
Every year, the World Economic Forum publishes a global gender gap report, which looks at gender inequality gaps across four key dimensions. One concerns economic participation and opportunity. The second is on educational attainment. The third on health and survival. The fourth on political empowerment. And although they estimate that the education gap is expected to reach parity in 13 years from now, the overall gap is still increasing and the notable areas of weakness they state are in the economic component and the political component which at this rate they anticipate only being closed in 217 years and 99 years respectively which you know I know there's been advances in longevity but I don't think either of us will be around in, in those kind of time frames. Legislation and quotas are a couple of interventions to accelerate progress. What are your views with respect to closing gender gaps more rapidly? I'm one that uh, believes in affirmative action for women. If that um, takes place in, in terms of quotas for women, uh, quotas for political position, uh, quotas even for educational opportunities uh, in many places. Um, boys are giving preference, particularly in our areas uh, where there's poverty in the family. Uh, the boys get get the opportunity because there's not enough to enough resources to support all of them. And so one needs to do that. Uh, um, but you know, we still face uh, a formidable obstacles as women. Uh, there's still disparity uh, in income, for, in income of jobs, uh, disparity in the selection of people for high office, even when there's equal or even more competence uh, demonstrated by women. And so legislation has been taken in so many places, but we've got to go beyond the laws because the laws have to be enforced. Uh, to really achieve the results. And that means that uh, we have to work more on on men. We have to work more to convince men that women's participation, women's leadership add more uh, to the economic prospects and the economic successes of nation. Um, it's beginning to happen, but uh, the numbers you've just cited and the years it will take to achieve it tells us that we have to double our efforts. I mean, we have to look at where countries have been able to achieve disparity, you know, uh, where, what methods have been used by those countries. There's some countries that do stand out. Um, we, and sometimes there are slippages in, in Liberia. We had made uh, quite a bit advances in terms of the number of women in our legislature, in parliament. Uh, but there was fierce resistance on the part of men. And just note this, the resistance was because I was a woman and president. Therefore, we had all that we needed. Uh, therefore, you know, no, we shouldn't allow them to get too much power because, because if they have the legislature, and have the presidency, then the women will be controlling things. So it's, it's those type of uh, men perspectives that we have to counter, 
by standing tall, by continuing to push hard uh, to be able to change it. So now that I'm not president, I must work harder on making sure we get more women in our legislature so they can be able to promote those laws that affect women, that provide women equal opportunity, more access. And on the economic side, this is a major constraint for women who want to seek political office. Most times they don't have the resources to compete effectively in an environment where resources is a key factor in whether you win or not. Uh, that's why we must strengthen women's financial... We must promote more women entrepreneurs, the ones who are going to build the resources that will enable them to help other women to achieve their goals uh, in political office. And so uh, that's a challenge to all women, wherever we are, whatever we do, uh, that we have to work harder uh, to seek this gender balance that we talk about all the time. And in your opinion, what do you think are the strengths and limitations of gender equality in Africa as a continent? Oh, there's no doubt the statistics are there that women full participation adds so much more to the economic life of the nation. As a matter of fact, uh, women do right now uh, provide great contribution in the work they do, whether it's housewife, you know, whether it's taking care of children. Uh, by doing this, they enable the safety of the nation, the welfare of the nation, to be protected. Uh, those are not quantified, uh, perhaps, uh, but it's very clear. And more and more women who are actually in in the economic sphere of the nation uh, make great contribution. Look at the women in, in um, that do marketing in our small, poor countries. I mean, they are the buoyancy of the economy. If they were not there crossing borders to be able to move goods and services, uh, taking great risk, uh, bringing produce from one country with surplus to another country with deficit, you know, what are you dealing with fruits or vegetables or other, man or other things uh, that are essential for life? Those women are the ones that hold up our nations, uh, don't get the credit, uh, and that's why, again, we have to bring to the forefront of consciousness of everyone the value that women bring to economic life to political life, to security, safety of nation, peace of nation. It's the women who, who hold, what, what do we say? Half the sky? Yes. No doubt about it. Women are certainly an integral part of society's fabric. President, one of the questions that I ask all my guests on this program who've made tremendous achievements in their respective disciplines is about some of the factors that they consider have contributed to their success. So some people speak about perseverance, tenacity, hard work. Could you share with us what have been some of the key areas or success factors that you consider have contributed to your development? For me, it was taking risks. Uh, taking risk in, in my um, early childhood to do things that uh, little girls were not supposed to do, like playing football. Uh, taking risks in, in the classroom by, by speaking out, 
Um, and as I progress, uh, taking risks uh, to challenge things, if I felt, you know, uh, that situation did not provide, uh, did not provide the, the a satisfaction to people, did not promote uh, uh, welfare, did not promote humankind, did not promote, did not promote the individuality of people. So for me, it was taking risk, and but that risk also means courage. You have to have the courage to take those risks and be prepared to fail. Um, I say uh, success is failure upside down. Because if you don't know failure, you will not appreciate success. Uh, and so I will say to all, for me, the strength uh, to stand out, the strength to be different, uh, the strength to stand by what you believe in. Can you share with us a few of the pivotal moments in your life growing up? Um, I married very young. I had four children before going back to school. And I believe if I had not had the determination to go back to school, I would not be where I am today. So that pivotal moment was when I made a decision, um, along with my husband, to leave our children. And fortunately, we had a system in our country where grandmothers help out, so we were able to leave our young children with our two mothers and, and to go back to school. That, for me, uh, turned my whole life around. And that really is, is definitive because people try and do the education before the children and you having taken that, that journey set you up. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I think that, that also made me, made me strong. Um, I always felt guilty for the fact that I left my children so young, but I think it made them strong also because they also had to fend for themselves a little bit while I pursued an education. And so today we're good friends. I think there's nothing wrong with instilling independence. And President, who would you say have been some of the strong women in your life? Uh, from my own country, uh, the, the first woman who was the president of the United Nations General Assembly, uh, she stood out, another judge uh, in our country who, who decided when the young people were protesting and challenging the status quo, she actually, in her, in her robe, uh, marched on the streets with them. Um, uh, another one who was the president of our university, uh, who, who challenged um, the political order that I wanted to, to appoint political appointees to the university, and she stood out against that. And in your country, Winnie, Winnie Mandela, she was an icon for all of us as women, for what she stood for, what she suffered, what she did. Um, there are others, but, you know, 
those ones uh, certainly stand out for me. President, you've had a remarkable career, life journey so far where you've made tremendous inroads in the various aspects of life that you've touched. Can you please share with us what's next for you? What's on the agenda of the future? <laughs> when I uh, gave a speech at the Mo Abraham uh, Forum when I, I accepted the prize, I said to them, I'm only a few months away from my 80th birthday. Uh, and many people say, you've been at this for 40 years. You need to quit. You need to rest. I cannot rest. Um, I have to go on. I have to do more for women within my means. And so I'm going to be promoting a center for women where my life's journey uh, can be an example of motivation for young women who aspire to leadership. Um, I want to be able to help a few women, uh, particularly those in the economic sphere, uh, in small and medium-sized businesses, see if we can provide them with a kind of training for their acceleration, for them to be able to move their business to scale uh, by being able to access better technology, um, capital. Uh, so I'm promoting this. I'm trying to structure it properly uh, and see what we can do so, so I can continue to be the, the inspiration, the propeller uh, for women who aspire to, to leadership. And as I look around, as I meet young girls, young women, even in the last few days, and all of those who have just expressed a desire, it's a motivating factor for me that I can't, I'm not going to go crawl around and, you know, go to sleep uh, because they must also see me as continuing to be that motivator, that aspirator for them and so by setting up a center where I can encourage them to come and sit talk to me talk to other women leaders you know who have excelled in across spheres of uh, opportunities spheres of profession I think that's what I'd like to do it's a great way of, of being able to to pay forward all of the work that you've done. And I see this you know, in the academic space where you're almost standing and advancing by lifting off of the people's shoulders that have gone before you. Um, I stood on many other shoulders. All the great women that I, I mentioned um, have provided me with a lift. And with that lift, I could reach out and provide a little bit of a lift for other women. And I hope I can continue to do that in a small way until I'm able to do so. And I just, I thank God for the long life and the health that I've had to enable me to continue to inspire others. It'll be a wonderful contribution. And lastly, President, as we 
close out this discussion where you've, you've spoken about the tremendous work concerning women's development that you've done and continue to do. Could you please use this platform to send a message of hope to all those women in Africa that due to circumstances, gender equality might not be first on their agenda, but rather that daily struggle of putting food on the table, making sure that their children are catered for, raising their family is more of a, a pressurizing reality. I encourage all women, young women, not so young women, to set their goals, whatever those goals may be. To do all you can, hard work, the qualification to get you there, the education that will provide you with the means of doing what you want to do. And once you've said that, stay the course. Stay focused, whatever it is. Be the best at it. Uh, seek to excel to the highest level that you can in your area of choice. Do not be deterred by obstacles because you will face them. But you can always overcome the obstacle with perseverance, determination, and courage. That's what's happening all over the world for women. Women will continue to progress as they seek what they want, determined to be the leaders that they wish to be and that should be. They'll get there. Thank you so much. This has been Womanity, Women and Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to former president of Liberia, President Ellen Johnson Sirleaf. Thank you very much. Thank you.